us. It was possible at the same time to instill the very culture and the worldview embodied by that language, namely French in this case. And therefore, it was an extremely powerful experience because of its painful nature. Anybody my age who knows how to read or write still carries in his or her body the marks of his or her own education. We were whipped daily to assimilate different grammatical rules and different letters of the alphabet, mathematical equations, and so on and so forth. They were a constant campaign destined to develop individualism more so than community in us. And that meant that we were asked, therefore, to be on the lookout for anybody who, in speaking French language, made the mistake of inserting one traditional word in it. Consequently, of course, there was a constant suspicion developed around and also enforced by the fact that any person who were found making this kind of mistake was asked to wear this call of either a goat, a sheep, or a cow, as they call it, were the symbol of one's own sin. Or indeed, we were told that it was a sin to speak the language of our saviors, namely the colonizer, namely the colonizer, the French at that time, in this manner, and that it was extremely injurious, not just to the French, but to the God that they were bringing to us. After five years in this so-called missionary school, I was taken to the seminary where another formal education started. The seminary was indeed a place of intensification of some of the doctrines that were instilled in us during the years at the missionary school. But the seminary was like a huge establishment, one of those establishments that are equivalent to a normal high school in the United States or any Western country, but which were there to absorb children, boys especially, coming from every area of French West Africa. The purpose, to form people from the native land, those they call indigenous people, into strict missionaries who were therefore to replace the missionaries that were sent from France to pursue the task of evangelization of the West part of the African continent. And so we were therefore part of a grand colonial scheme to perpetuate the whole business of religious colonization. And so we were told 
that the ways of our ancestors are sinful ways, that we were responsible in the reversal of those ways so that the light of God can visit our villages and our tribe. And over the years, a lot of us believed in that. For me, at least, uh, I believed in it partly because I had read by then very intensively and understood that there were certain basic truths in the Bible that were not very well presented in the day-to-day actual life of the priests that were in charge of us in that seminary. On the other hand, very little of that took deep grip inside of my psyche because that psyche was constantly visited by the spirit of my grandfather who would appear to me in key moment of my life to say one thing or another to the point where I had the feeling that in fact he was not dead he's still around and therefore every time in a moment of crisis I would call on him I knew that if he would not show up right away it won't be long before he comes up telling me that he's coming to find out why I called on him I mean that was for me something which serve like an ingredient that helped me survive the uh, terrifying nature of modern education. The constant appearance of his spirit also kept me in touch with this essential part of myself, which he had communicated to me during his lifetime, and which had something deeply to do with what I was supposed to be doing later on. There were moments when I felt extremely violent and when I knew that if something does not happen, I would become responsible for a drastic tragedy that would lead to my total eradication. But I knew also that during those times, his energy was around to try to tame the wildness of my own spirit. There were one thing that we learned because there were about close to half a thousand boys uh, like me in that institution. The one thing we learned and it was how to trick and to challenge authority in such a way that we could maintain part of our own sanity in the middle of this huge lie that we were caught in. And therefore, one of the uh, key places where the challenge was operational was on the concept of sin each one of us was assigned a priest that we're supposed to confess to every friday night to not confess was a sin to say that you did not commit a sin in the past five or six days was a sin and therefore sin was inescapable one other thing was the fact that you always have to come up with five sins in order to be in the average place. And so one had to have a list of sins, at least five sins, that you can at least repeat back to the same priest every Friday night in order to prepare yourself for Sunday Mass. I do remember 
being told over and over. But didn't you confess the sin last Friday? You've confessed them last Friday, and yet you did them again. I found out quickly enough that others of my fellow seminarian were also experiencing the same phenomenon. So we decided to get together in order to uh, create a sin market. Something of a type where we will pass sins around and check on each other's notes in order to create diversity of sins. Now what happened in the course of that kind of experience was that eventually each one of us would come up with a much larger list of sins that are confessable because, well, we weren't authorized to commit mortal sins. Because in the seminary, the sins are divided into two. They're mortal sins and they're venial sins. Venial sins are the kind you can easily confess and get away with. <laughs> mortal sins are the ones that uh, are really serious. And therefore, as the person who is being prepared to become a priest, you cannot commit mortal sin. Well, I eventually committed one by uh, grabbing one of the priests and throwing him out of the window. And so I could not uh, confess that. That's what led to my running away from the seminary. But in terms of inventorying venial sins... Wait, what? extensive <laughs> list that will rotate over the course of Fridays <sighs> to the point where it he was possible not to confess a familiar sin to the priest anymore. Well, of course... This whole thing was done consciously because we had to comply with certain kinds of expectation that were coming to us from the uh, professoral core made of priests. And so as a result, of course, with this kind of intellect, smartness, and skill developing in the adolescent souls and consciousness, we were getting bolder and bolder and bolder. What I know is that uh, my own life there was cut short because of this particular mortal sin that I committed. What happened was that one day we were doing a dictation in the classroom and this priest who has been bothering me over the years was again on my back and one thing led to another and as a result he felt it was his prerogative to kick me and in the past i would let go but this time i could not for some reason i just jumped up and before i found out we were we were beating one another as if we're just two ordinary boys indeed years and years of abuse were converted into so much anger power oh my god that the massive French priest felt like a piece of leaf in my hand. And so when he crashed through the window, breaking the glass and falling on the ground outside, there was a great sense of relief in me, even though the rest of the students in the class were really in a state of disarray. And that's when I realized that that gesture was a terminal gesture on my part. And that led me to wanting to run away, which I did, because I knew that there was no way I could be redeemed. But then again, thinking about it later on, I realized that a week prior to that, grandfather had appeared to me 
and told me that I must come home. I did not know what home he was talking about because after 15 years leaving my village and my language, my native language having disappeared, my home was a seminary even though I didn't like it. That was all I knew. By then I was very literate. I was very fluent in French. I was very fluent in everything taught in French. And therefore, coming home did not ring any bell in myself. That is close to reminding me that the home in question was the home that I had left 15 years ago. It took me about 11 days to walk to the village. It's only 125 miles. But what was important was not so much the walking to the village. It was the arrival in the village. Because it coincided with a sudden discovery that I did not belong to that village. And what made me aware of the fact that I did not belong to that village was the sudden discovery of my inability to speak the language of my parents, the language of my brothers and sisters, and the language of all these people that lived in that village. People think of colonialism as a kind of gentle help extended to primitive culture for their own good. Of course, the colonizer has a right to depict its own mission in this manner to its own people. But when your own native language has been taken away from you, a lot of things go away from you along with that language. When a new language has been instilled in you, a great deal of things, worldviews, cultural things, come along with that new language. So arriving home was a very sad thing for me. All I knew was that I was an odd thing. I could not even communicate to my parents about my feelings. I could not communicate to my sisters in such a way that they would understand what it means to have been away for 15 years. And I found my own anger coming back up again against my father, whom I thought had let me go in the sense that it did not do anything to stop me from being taken away. And yet all of these feelings could not be expressed in the kind of language that would ensure understanding on the part of my father. I do not know what would have happened had I not started to benefit from the help of my mentor at that time. I referred to him by his name, which is Giso. And because he is the brother of my mother, he's by village standard, my male mother. And usually it is part of the village dynamic that a male mother is called upon to resolve any kind of tension that a person like me would be experiencing. 
the good thing about it is that Giso also was a powerful medicine man. His years and years of experience because he took the seat of my grandfather upon his death led to his becoming aware of my return home long before it even happened and he's seeing in me the final task that he was supposed to perform before he checked out of this life and so Giso as my mentor was the person involved was taming my wildness which I acquired in the course of these 15 years at the hand of white Jesuits. The problem, however, did not get resolved overnight because here I was in a family forced to live there because I did not have any options of returning back to the seminary, the kind of world that I was familiar with, and finding myself on a daily basis facing the same thing over and over again. And it was basically the fact that I had a tremendous problem integrating the family dynamic and the village dynamic. At the family level, my father was at odd with my temper. My mother was at odds with my unpredictable character. And yet, they both wanted to figure out some ways to help. At the village level, there were talks going on about me, which I weren't aware of, but which was extremely important for the kind of future that was being cooked up for me. In the village, we have something of the Council of the Elders. It is made by five different elders who are in charge of the spiritual and cultural integrity of the entire community. Apparently, that council has gathered several times around me as their topic. And the main question was whether a person like me could be allowed to stay in the village. The one powerful argument that they had on the issue was not the fact that I was the only one coming back from what they call the wilderness, because every place that is other than the village is called the wilderness. It was not because I was the only one coming back from the wilderness. It was because I was the only one who knew how to read and write. The village, and in this case the elders, had become aware that anybody who knows how to read and write is connected with deceit, violence, and all these negative things because the white men knew how to read and write. And it seemed to them as if it is that knowledge that fostered the kind of violence they landed on the villagers over the past century and so he was one of their own who had managed to learn how to read and write just the same way as the white man knew and so for them they were afraid that, that was a disease that could infect other people in the village the other thing they were afraid of was that they wanted to tame my wildness through 
what they call initiation. But they did not know what was supposed to happen in a context in which the knowledge of reading and writing was assumed to have taken the space inside of me that initiation was meant to take. And therefore, they thought that I was full to the point where initiation wouldn't have a place to fit in within me because knowledge of literacy had already occupied that area, that territory. The other thing was that for them, the requirement for me to go through initiation was to forget how to read or write. I still remember a session that I had with my father. It was more like a discussion where the question arose about whether it was possible for me to work hard at forgetting how to read and write so that I can clean up the space in my psyche that could then be occupied by initiation. When I told my father that I could not forget how to read and write, he told me that therefore I was caught up with that terminal knowledge, the kind of knowledge that comes more like a cancer that you can't take away. The problem I was facing at that time was lesser because the day-to-day work that I was having with my mentor, Giso had dramatically diminished the violent inclination that I was in when I first arrived in the village. And so it felt to me that at that point, I was more interested in initiation, even though I did not understand exactly what it was and what it was meant to do to me. My father explained to me that initiation was going to be the opportunity for me to fully belong to this village because everybody who grows up in the village has to go through initiation as part of their becoming not only adult, but of their being accepted by the rest of the village as grown-up human beings. So for me, having been away for so long, having been opened up to a world drastically opposed to the one of my own ancestors, I saw in initiation something like a doorway capable of maybe putting a dent on the amount of transformation of brainwashing that I had experienced in the course of the past 15 years. Of course, I wanted to go through initiation no matter what. But of course, I had to face up to this whole thing about forgetting how to read and write. And the problem at that moment was no longer whether my father wanted me to go through initiation, whether Giso wanted me to go through initiation. It was whether the whole council was going to agree to putting me up into this kind of experience. I was told that there were a lot of division among the members of the council because some of them thought that this was totally inappropriate 
for a person of this kind of knowledge that I had to also be given another knowledge when everybody knew that this knowledge acquired at the hand of the white man has taken in me the space that the village knowledge was supposed to take. Others simply said, two knowledge cannot be together, especially when they are drastically opposed as that which initiation affords and that which schools in the Western world affords. They say that a person who is caught in this kind of space is likely to die. They also made the point that it takes a person who was born and brought up in the village in order to have all the chances needed to survive initiation. And here I was, was only five years of my 20 some odd years being lived in the village and the rest outside. Wasn't it a murder to put such a person into this kind of experience? Had this happened before, no one could testify to that. And so there were more reasons against my initiation than there were for that initiation. I think today that whatever happened that opened the pathways into this experience was something that came primarily from the spirit of my grandfather who knew all along that in order for me to live in two worlds and to do the kind of work that I'm called upon to do, that I had to go through this kind of experience. I also knew that my mentor, Giso, who was also part of the council of the village, was doing his best in order to make this happen. Later on, he will be also sitting in the committee of initiators and as a result be my protector my secret protector throughout the entire experience <laughs>